from 102.3 WHIV in New Orleans and broadcasting around the world at whivfm.org. This is Health is a Human Right radio show. Protecting people like yourself I have some news for you We're here to defend wealth I have some news for you We're here to defend wealth Tra-la-la-la A public service announcement with guitar. Hey ho, here we go. Back again here on 102.3 FM WHIV. We are the only community radio station in the city dedicated to human rights and social justice. All of our hosts and DJs are volunteers, and we are able to provide quality programming with your support. Consider becoming a member of WHIV by setting up monthly donations of any amount you wish. That could be $1, 5 $10 per month, whatever you can do to help. Or you can make a one-time donation to the station. We also have a new line of WHIV t-shirts and tank tops just in time for the heat wave. It's coming, friends. Be prepared. Get your WHIV swag t-shirts. Uh, they also make great gifts. Simply go to whivfm.org and click store or donate. Thank you for supporting us here at WHIV. We are a radio station with a mission. We are not a radio station with a mission. We are a mission with a radio station. End all wars. Yeah, One of these right. days, I will do the whole thing without a mistake. Hey, my name is AJ Strong. I am today's host here with my, I do you want to say co-host, just with my other host. Your co-host works. Dr. Mark Allen, Derry, how you doing? I'm doing good. Great. Uh, uh, lots to talk about. I, uh, especially when you, you say uh, the t-shirts are going to do good uh, for the heat wave and certainly for the humidity yes. that has 100% started. 100% humidity. And uh, especially <laughs> after a crazy storm mm-hmm. like yesterday. Did you guys get affected at all or did you guys fare okay? Yeah, we were all right. Over, over in the lower ninth, we were in our part of it anyway. We were good. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the stations did well, but you know we had our film festival, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we had the theater where the film festival was actually being uh, held got flooded, mm. so we actually had to cancel like uh, like the morning and early afternoon films. We actually had to uh, uh, move uh, uh, over to a new site. So we had, we were I spent yesterday morning finding a new place to show movies, and it was crazy. Uh, but wow. the weird thing about it all, and I will say this is the good news is, um, is that the pumps, all the pumps were working and the bad news is, is all the pumps were working because now we know when we're working at a hundred percent, still not good enough. Yeah. This is the new norm. Great. <laughs> well, anyway, thanks, welcome thanks to the show, AJ. Being the bearer of bad news, <laughs> yeah. kicking it off on a positive note. 
Um, we, we have are it. screwed. Yes. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. We are totally screwed. Okay. Um, in the studio today, we have our very yeah. special guest, Dylan King. What's Hello, up, Dylan? Everybody. Thanks for being on? here. Thanks for having me. Dylan is a buddy of mine. I know we don't get to see each other yeah, no. often enough, but he was actually one of my very first friends here when I moved to New Orleans. Yeah, we became friends when we were still just traveling in and out. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we had some Skype sessions, I yeah, remember. We, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that with, is very yeah, true. Yeah, with Bell and Landon. Uh-huh. It's when he was like obsessed with those little Skylander things. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> At any rate, um, we today are going to be talking with Dylan, uh, sort of like a local business owner activist spotlight segment, yeah. we'll call it. Always support local. Yeah. So yeah. Dylan yeah. King, he owns Flambeau CrossFit over in Metairie yes. off of Causeway. Yes. Yeah. We are on Causeway. Yeah. Right off of my Right on it. That's right. Yeah, yep. we're on it. Yep. Um, I used to, so I know probably some people out there heard me say the word CrossFit and right away they're like, no, yeah. it's dangerous. <laughs> You're going to injure so yourself. Yeah. yeah. Anytime I told people that I was doing CrossFit, because I used to work out at Dash's gym. I'm sorry, Dylan's gym. I met when I met him, he was going by Dash, and I, yeah, so I it was like my transition name. I was yeah. like not ready to fully commit. Sure, so getting used to the. It's such the a new cool name. name, though. Yeah, it is. A yeah. Cool yeah, I do. <laughs> my LLC is actually Dash Fitness. Yeah, because I was like, this is forever. Yep, I yeah. still, <laughs> I still have a one of the magnet, the car magnets. Yeah, the Dash I still have the shirt, yeah. the tanks, and everything. Mm-hmm. I was like in it to win it with that name. Yeah, <laughs> you mentioned transition. Do we want to? Quickly, oh yeah, just maybe of, we should say yeah. that you're outnumbered <laughs> oh, yes. once again, Mark oh, Allen. Yes. <laughs> so Dash is a trans man. I love being a minority I, in this room right yep, now. And I'll, I'll Ma you know. is the only cis male in the room right yes. now, and it's glorious. Yes, it yeah. is. Yes, it it's, is. It's yes. good to be alive in this time when yes. things like that are possible. Yes, so yeah, absolutely. yeah, <laughs> take that. Um, so yeah, so I wanted to uh, do sort of like an interview style show with Dylan about the business and uh, about. His his activism work that he does for the trans community. Yeah, do a little bit of everything. Yeah, like. kind of like a little catch up for yeah, us. Yeah, I'm just like, on uh, the radio. everybody's like, "What's been going?" I'm like, "Nothing." I'm like, "Well, actually, how much time do you have?" Because yeah. I've been doing a couple of things. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs> well, let's start with um, uh, the business. So, like I said, um, I worked out. I've worked out a lot with Dylan. He's a really great trainer. Thank you. When people hear, yeah, when people hear CrossFit, they get a little alarmed. Mm-hmm. Understandably so. I think there's a lot of um, trainers just, out there who maybe yeah. are underqualified or m- maybe just like maybe push a little too hard. I think because yeah. it it is it is a really intense, intense workout. But yeah. if you're led by the right person, um, who's not going to push you to do things that you can't do or can't do without injuring yourself, um, then it's actually can be very, very beneficial. So, and I believe that Dylan is one of those trainers. I was working out with a major shoulder injury. He never pushed me to do anything that, that I couldn't do that caused me to get hurt. And we still got you built. Yep. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And then, so can I also just start by what, what a great name? Like usually, Uh, you know, you'll have CrossFit is like, there's some, like some, like, 
something that just is you know i am trying to find the right word hardcore yeah there you go like like, some toxic masculinity (laughs) sort of some like some ad right some adjective that is like yeah bro fit right yeah yeah but flambo it's flambo flambo crossfit it's Uh, awesome something local and then i was like you know it kind of goes into flamboyant a little bit that's what people are going to kind of randomly throw that in there every now and then like a twist on words right and i was like whatever it works that's fine well it actually Actually, it does work because a lot of your clientele are, yeah, are queer well, people. We've grown enough to where I would say that we're maybe at like 40, 50% of the people in our gym right now are in the community and the others are just allies, which yeah. I think is really great because That's especially awesome. with trans yeah. people, I feel like we all get in a workout circle and everyone gets to know each other first. And then after a while, they realize who in their class is trans and they're like, oh, well, he's just another guy that like... I compete with in class. Like, that's right. cool. Yeah. You know, instead of being like, oh, this person is trans and that's the first thing I know about them. Right. So I think that's what's right. really cool. It meshes everybody. Right. And um, that's such an important point. It's such yeah. an important yeah. point. Yeah. Like, because, we're just the person next to you, like, just working right. out, you know? Right, right, right. Exactly. Um, right. So, kind of how I got into it was there was a big ordeal um, in a major gym, nationwide gym, where a trans woman went into a restroom or the, the dressing room, um, the women's dressing room. There was a big ordeal about whether she should be kicked out of the dressing room. And luckily, the gym at the time, because this was five, four or five years ago. I remember that. That was yeah. like, was it like Planet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they luckily sided with the trans woman saying that she could go into the restroom, dressing room that she identified with. Right. And um, I realized that a lot of our community, like the LGBT community, our real hangout spots were like just the late night drinking, going out, which like we all love going out and like, you know, and having, having fun, our fun time. Right. But there was no alternative, especially around here. Like that was it, you know. So um, I was like, I wanted I've been in, into fitness for for almost as long as I can remember. Definitely while I was in high school and it just kind of progressed after that. But I was like, I want to build a place where people know like, hey, I'm part of the community and I want to be here for people who are uncomfortable for whatever reason going into your average gym you know whether it is the restroom or whether you just don't know what the hell these machines are for you know or anxiety a lot of people in the community have like just a social anxiety of walking into a room that they're new to right um so i started that way and i started doing one-on-one trainings out of another gym until i was able to build up a, a good enough clientele where i felt confident okay i can open this gym and survive a few months um, with these with these um, clients until our membership grows, and that was in 2016. Wow! Congratulations! So, How, how's it you. been? It's good. Um, business ownership is constantly a learning oh, yeah. experience, yeah, yeah, yeah. and there are ebbs and flows, and you know you just kind of have to be open and ready for kind of anything, and have to take everything as a learning experience, you know. But it is really good. You know, one of the things that you just made me think of is uh, what the one of the last gyms I, I belong to, and um, and I do, and I love going to the gym. I just my days now are just with the radio station and yeah. everything. I so I just wake up in the morning, go for a quick run, and right. Do some basic weight training, but I'll go, I definitely would like to go back to the gym. But it just made me realize something really important is that the last gym I was at had a room, a whole section of the gym that was specifically for women. Yeah. Right, That's it a was big, a whole, another big right. thing too. Right so, now. so, so think about it. But you, what you just made me realize—I never realized it until you were just talking right now. Rather than fix the toxic masculinity 
in you the just, gym. You just separate the women. You're from, just yeah. yeah. You're almost like yeah. instead of like having a, a, a instead of creating a situation. Like, here's another area. Y'all can right be here's another. It, it almost yeah. it kind of like makes it. It, it okay's the toxic masculinity yeah. that exists there because you're just finding that solution. You're just getting a, a bridge or something. Yeah, and uh, and and it's nice to you know like I, the idea of going to a uh, a gym that was fifty percent queer. I'm totally yeah. in, you know, like yeah. I am, that's the place where I want to be, like yeah. just to get away from that toxic masculinity, yeah. you know? And, and so I think that's a, such a great idea. Thank you. And, um, CrossFit's very like community oriented. But going to Metairie too. though, to go to the gym though, I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. Like, we are in Metairie and I'm just, I know that's just, out that's, here I'm in I'm the keeping New Orleans it real. Guys, like, <laughs> we avoid Metairie like the plane, but just we are keep... just off Metairie Road. You right, 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 right. We're right there and then you can you turn back but to But I can't wait, I can't wait till you guys get into the, uh, into the CBD or something. Yeah, yeah. If and when that day comes, I'll have AJ let you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be there. But CrossFit is very like community oriented, also, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, whenever I was just a member at another CrossFit gym, um, so it kind of brings that social time on top of sure. your fitness time. You know, so whether people just need those endorphins or just a place to belong because of the community or being introduced to the the movements that we go through because every class we have a coach, you know, there was just so many benefits and it, it's just been really great seeing so many people's confidence just skyrocket. Yeah, it's, that's awesome. It's great. It's a, that's a real thing. I did experience that when I was yeah. working out regularly and I'm not a person who loves – Working out, I'm actually a person who loathes it. Yeah. Um, Dylan can tell you there were many. You think I give you dirty looks, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, AJ was giving more more than dirty looks. Yeah. There was gestures and words. Uh, yeah. <laughs> lots of words, yeah. Yeah, so, but, but at the end of it all, you do really feel like you have accomplished something great. And when you do it for an extended amount of time and your body starts to feel better and yeah. you start to feel stronger. Sure. Um, you want to go something more, happens. Like, yeah. Something definitely happens. You really do start to feel good about yourself. And I think for trans people, I mean, I can only speak to my own experience. That's been a struggle my whole life is feeling good about my body. Yeah. Um, that's such a, a good yeah, point. That's such a actually struggle. a great, that's a great point that I had not thought about that, that the idea of having a gym in which you would have uh, where, where trans people would feel very comfortable going in there. And like you're saying, AJ, for the first time for folks to feel good about being in yeah. their body because mm-hmm. certainly working out does yeah. that. And mm-hmm. that is, again, that's something I had not thought about before. And I think It's yeah. such a bro thing, but especially for my trans guys that come into the gym, when we're all working it out and we're all sweaty and they rip their shirt off because they're just so hot and they're next to all these cisgender people and their shirt comes off, I'm like, we've made it. Yeah. <laughs> we have <laughs> made it. We are on the pillar here. Yeah. Like, they feel good. And it. it's because of something that, like, I've driven them towards right. and yeah. told them that they could do this, you know? Totally. Um, yeah, like I said, it seems like such a bro type thing but it really is one of the highlights of me being a coach where where we are yeah no yeah. i think that's i love that i think that's awesome and even for i mean even for the, our straight allies that are members there you know we have some some who whoever they are coming in and three months down the line their shirt comes peeling off and i'm like he's feeling good mm-hmm. <laughs> you know we're ready to go and that's awesome and and not to bring down the conversation but any like do people come in and they 
recognize the environment that they are in and they have oh, some I've had a few people be like what's up with the rainbow flag <laughs> because we do have a rainbow flag in there you know along if you with have an to American ask. flag and a Louisiana flag and you know like wow so like, there is yeah, still some bro sort well, of be like oh that's cool oh what's up with the rainbow flag and I'm like well everybody can work out here you know um and that's something we go over in the advocacy that I do with uh, LSU is that, you know, people that don't need that mark, most of the time they'll look straight over the flag and, oh, no big deal, whatever. But for the people that are walking through the door and see that, it's like a sign of like, oh, I'm welcomed here. Like, that's who it's for. Right. I mean, you know? as a... I, like, I, we openly accept you. Right. Like, and here it is. The flag is there. I just actually started a new new clinic, and uh, and the, the first thing that we did was made sure that there was rainbow stickers. Yeah. I, I do mostly HIV and okay. sexually transmitted infections. Okay. And so... The first thing that I did, so the the clinic, you know, my first day was walking in and putting rainbow stickers yeah. all over the place yeah. for that for that reason. Yeah, this is my computer that I use in clinic, and I make sure to keep right. a rainbow sticker on there as well. It's small, but it really is there for the people who need it. Like, oh. hey, you're totally in a safe space, right? And I can't wait till we get to a place where we don't need. Yeah, that anymore, mm-hmm. you know, because like you said, it'd be the right. So this way, it's not the first thing that people identify you. Well, it's as. crazy because remember going to other gyms and being like, "Are they gay? I don't know if they're gay." Because it was like almost like this thing is like you eventually found out if someone else in your class was gay, but like nobody really. Whereas like if it it's up, they are immediately open to just being themselves, and like that's what we want. Right, like, how can course. I get to know you and know how to better coach you or what your personality is like? If like I don't know. Yeah. Who you are, what your background is, you know, what you're like in your social. Like, I kind of have to get to know each individual member. We only allow eight to ten people every class. So it it's also, very personal. At the very, very top, before you all even do your warm up, it removes a huge obstacle that can be a, like a mental obstacle, a source what? of anxiety. Yeah. Walking into a place not knowing if you're going to be oh, welcomed right, or right. what happens if somebody finds out I'm trans or, you know, yeah. Right, right. it it's. It's a big thing. Right. And so, you know, I think um, it is such a small thing to do as a business owner yeah. is to just put up put up a flag or some sort of sign that people know that they're welcome. Yeah. Because we have a another safe thing, zone sticker on our door and we have our rainbow flag mm-hmm. up. Another thing to consider is that some people, I'm one of these people, uh, I look for that stuff. I specifically right. look for signs yeah, that I am That's welcome. how I am too because if I go to any other If I go local, to a new city or, you know, yeah, I'm right. looking for... If I'm you know, looking for two brunch with... places and one has a rainbow flag on it, like that's the one I'm going to go spend my Absolutely. happy dollars at. Absolutely. Yeah, right. yeah. and, and, and like, you know, now for me it's become actually... I, I do see rainbow flags everywhere. Mm-hmm. If I see a rainbow flag and I see a trans flag... Oh, yeah. I want to oh, give yeah. a little shout out to Horns Cafe because they they put up both. They have really? one in each window, and I'm like, it's not that hard. And yeah. I know 100 percent that I'm welcome there. I don't right. have to worry about it. It removes a huge mental obstacle right you know, at the front door. On the other side, will be like, but is it really that big of a deal? It is a big deal because I've lost a member the week after she found out I was trans. Her email to cancel was not like it's because you're trans. But she was a member that came for three to four days out of the week, same time, same, you know, every day of the week. And uh, as soon as we kind of got in a conversation, I could kind of tell it was going to go south, you know, she was like, well, that I could just can't even imagine that'd be very difficult. And I was like, well, I'm trans, so it is hard, you know, but it is the right thing. 
And uh, class was real quiet after that. And the next week I got her email to cancel. So, I mean, it is a big deal. Yeah. It yeah. is a big deal to create a safe place, you know, mm-hmm. and it's there for the people that need it. Mm-hmm. It's it, not there to offend anybody. If you're there. tuned in, you are listening to 102.3 WHIV. This is uh, Nola Matters. Health is a human right. My name is Mark Allendary. I'm here every second Monday with AJ Strong. What's and, up? And uh, Dylan... King. Dylan King, King, King. Uh, who is the proprietor of Flambeau CrossFit. CrossFit. Yeah. <laughs> more, more information at? FlambeauCrossFit.com. FlambeauCrossFit.com. Uh-huh. We're on so, Instagram also. So here, so AJ, cue up your dirty look. So again, I want to see, there it is. All right. That's what are you going to do? I actually realized that there's no flags here at WHI. That's true. <laughs> but well, I'll no, you have this look, one this here. Yeah, this but this is, yeah, it. I mean, this is still, this is still kind of new, but I need something out there. Out front, yeah. You know, something, and I'm like, and I, it was funny because for the clinic, I don't know why, I think it's just because it's assumed to be here. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, this mm-hmm. is WHIV, of course. Yeah. Like, it didn't even occur to me to put something up. But my clinic, of course, I need to put something up immediately. Like as sure. soon as we opened the doors, mm-hmm. flags popped up all over the place. But it didn't even occur to me to put it here in the front. So when, because everyone here in the community knows what WHIV stands for and what we're about. But what about somebody who's coming in from outside the community right, to give a past, talk, right. right? You know, or it says somebody a lot or for the neighborhood, right? Yeah. It says a lot for the neighborhood. But what if somebody's you know coming and visiting from California? They're coming to do a radio show. Yeah, yeah. You know, they don't. You know what yep. I'm saying, and so uh, so I I was trying to make the uh, whole show today without getting one of AJ's famous looks, but I just uh, I, well, but this one was self induced. We still have a half an hour, so <laughs> <laughs> I still have an opportunity to get a. You still a, have thirty a, a whole minutes. <laughs> um, okay, so with that, why don't we shift gears? You had mentioned some of, about some of the activism work that you do within LSU. Yeah, can you just uh, tell us a little bit about? That. Yeah, so I work with two doctors out of LSU, Dr. Todd Tartable and Jess Landry. They're really great. Uh, Todd is part of the community. Uh, Jess Landry is just a really strong ally and advocate for us. She does amazing stuff. She's even working with um, sexual assault awareness. Um, they're really great. And uh, we've trademarked with LSU to go and we go to other schools for their nursing programs. We go to hospitals for their continuing education. This is the program that AJ and I um, wanted yeah, yeah. to put together. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 amazing. And we, we always go to their students their last semester right before they're getting out. And we get um, we give them the same survey before and after. And I mean the mood shift and how ready they are to handle trans patients wherever they go work is just it's night and day so most of the time Mm -hmm. so i do that a lot with them we've gone to shreveport we've gone to ruston you know we've gone to lafayette um i'm sure the baseline surveys differ in terms of what the responses are differ according to location uh yes yes (laughs) and the vibe does too i would imagine you know um but we always have some sort of turnaround even people that are already progressive are like I've never met a trans person. So what happens is they go and they go over a lot of the statistics and um, uh, the disparities of of the community. And then I go in with a personal story. And I think it's really moving because I think what people are missing is that personal touch of not having a person that answer the hard questions. So I go in, I give them my story, total open and honest. It gets a little uncomfortable that at times, but it's for the better good. And at the end, I'm a total open book Q&A. And I'm like, I've literally answered every odd question that they want to ask. I'm like, I'd rather you ask me now 
then go somewhere who you have a trans guy finally going in for a pap smear and you make him very uncomfortable and he never comes back, never tries to go get any more health care because he remembers that. Like, ask me now, it better the health care in the future, you know, because we need the community to be able to go and get all their checkups. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. Do, I mean, yeah. we work, like I said, we do hospitals for their continuing education and then we do nursing students for the most part. Yeah, this is precisely what Mark Allen and I were trying to get going this because that's how this show came about actually mm-hmm. yes, he had interviewed was. me about yep. a very traumatic hospital experience that I had mm-hmm. as a trans person and that kind of sparked this conversation about how can we create change um you can and and yeah. you schooled me you know I was you know I'm a strong strong ally I was you know in med school in the LGBT community, I was the you know kind of the ally in right. the, in the LGBT club at, at at our med school. I've always been a fierce activist, uh, especially because I knew it was going and into allies HIV. Allies being activists for us are so important. Right. I think that's what allies don't understand is y'all's voice is even louder than ours right. Right. because people expect people us to listen. have our opinions right. because they're like, well, you're trans, of course you feel that way. Right. Right. Sure. But when you are sitting right. next to another cisgender, a straight person, right? You know. Um, They'll be like, well, why do you feel this way? Because you're you're not right. part of that community. So what is your opinion? And they'll kind of start to relate to you yeah, a little bit more. And it'll powerful. actually raise some questions for them, you know. But like if me or AJ say something, they're like, well, just of course. Right. Yeah. You and know, so, so our allies are so important. And mm-hmm. and so but the, the experience that, that I had on air with AJ, and it was way it was really in the early days of WHIV, and I was interviewing AJ and um AJ had had a very traumatic experience in the mm-hmm. hospital and was sharing that story. And it occurred to me that that part of the trauma that that AJ was experiencing, I actually do in the hospital. Right. And, it, and again, you're you're talking to somebody about who's about as loud and as allied and as right. activist as yes. you can as you can yes. get. And I actually like it was one of those moments in 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 my personal growth where You're I like, had a strong aha. pivot, like, yeah. and I realized because I was like, and the reason is is that doctors tend to be very like objective and cold, right? Mm-hmm. So like here's You're the going na- through the here's list. the name on the chart. Yep. You know this is the gender marker. Your You're gonna walk in. You're gonna confirm your the name chart. Right. 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 And then just and 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 sometimes that's necessary right mm-hmm. i mean if people you know mm-hmm. of course so if anybody who's trans uh, please go and like there's there's processes available to help especially for people that are living with hiv there's yeah. actually monies now in the city to help people go and get their gender marker changed and get a legal name change as yes. well just that how important that is but since since it occurred to me that and since AJ said, yeah, don't go into the hospital room and call if it says John Brown, and you walk in and mm-hmm. and it, you know somebody's got you know Marilyn written you know over her bed or something, go with the name that. And it was like, yeah. Th- and again, you're talking to somebody who's a strong activist, and, and, and it was how such it really a remo- got started right. And that for was us how, too. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was and so AJ and I tried to start a program, but it was just. It was difficult, and the person I started the program with actually ended yeah. up going to LSU from Tulane. Um, Dr. Landry, she always tells this story in the beginning. Um, she was like the head of the department, and they got a 12-year-old. Um, it was a transgender girl, but nothing – still very young, no transition or anything. So it seemed like a 12-year-old boy um, trying to commit suicide, and they went through everything, good home life, good grades, friends, all this stuff. And, you know, she finally went to the room with the kid by himself. It was like, I just don't understand. What can I do to help you? 
And the kid was like, because I'm a girl and nobody understands. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. just absolutely understood at 12 years old that that's how they felt. Um, and she was like, did not know how to deal. She was like, how do I tell this child they have to go, you know, to the, um, like the psych basically for their three-day admission, you know, because they try to harm themselves, not because they feel they're transgender. Not because not, not they're conflicted. Mm-hmm. And she's like, and if I don't know how to handle this patient, how do my coworkers under me know how? And she's like, how do my students know if I don't even know? Right. And so that's the thing when she started digging deeper and being like, we have to create this program and we have to be better. We have to educate better. So it started very similar. Yeah, Her I mean, even being was... like, I'm not prepared. Right, right. It sounds like it's very similar. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell us some of the outcomes that you guys have found? Like some of the um, surveys? So we had that... some really great feedback. People will even email us months after. Um, we just went to Ruston and one of the students there said that they had a patient come in at wherever they were doing some work at. Um, and the two guys, the two male, I guess, I, th- I think they were like ultrasound techs or something that they were working with, um, was calling the transgender woman by he and his pronouns. And um, you could tell the patient was getting very upset. And she actually took these senior you know, workers and was like, hey, I actually just went through training on this and you're disrespecting the patient. You need to call him by these pronouns, you know, and really confronted like these, these, like I said, these older workers that were there, I mean, in Ruston, Northern Louisiana, like that's a huge move. You know, she could have been removed from the program had they gone to the right person and gotten mad enough, but she stood up to them and then she treated the patient accordingly. Um, And of course they made comments about, oh, well, I'm just old fashioned, but she had the point is she had the guts to stand up to these coworkers. Sure, and she had know. the knowledge and the tools mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from the training. And, uh, we had another one. There was a trans woman, I, I think here in the city, trans woman got assaulted. Um, Shocked. Right, mm. right. And that's something we go over. We go over all right, the numbers. You right. know, and We're like, look how large these numbers are, people. Right, you know, right. We're here to care it's, for people. It's unbelievable. Um, it's another... But a trans woman got assaulted, and no one else in the clinic I uh, think had any training. And this one nurse went in who had been to one of our trainings, um, been to one of our trainings, and um, asked, what's your preferred pronouns? A simple question. Mm-hmm. And they had a great relationship after that. She was able to ha- help the patient. And the patient even wrote a positive feedback oh, cool. after she left the hospital, which apparently I hear that's like you don't really get that too often like afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to make a big enough impact for the patients who write after their visit was like really huge feedback for us. So we've been doing this since early 2017. That's great. Trans. Have you guys published or are you trying to – get this to other outside of louisiana or outside yeah, we're, of the lsu yeah. system yeah we've had uh someone reached out i think from vegas um but a lot of local hospitals are starting to reach out to us we just did uh the lone louisiana i'm not sure what exactly it stands for the nurse executives it's like a, oh, cool. a yearly thing that they do um they're they pretty much put it all together and they're just like we're going here and i'm like all right let's go <laughs> you know but we're willing to go anywhere that is willing to have us and understands like this training is very important right mm-hmm. well in the, in the spirit of enlightenment and educating people and changing minds i'm wondering if not to put you on the spot but would you be willing to share a bit of the the personal story or a personal story that you share in this training that that contributes to kind of hitting home for people i think what they 
they're like, well, how do you know it's just not a tomboy? I think that's a big thing. So I'll go over that with them. And I'm like, it wasn't like I liked the boy stuff sometimes, right? Like it was the boy stuff all the time. And then I tell, you know, I look around at the guys in the room and I'm like, imagine if you were seven years old going to swim with all of your cousins, boys and girls. Your mom put you in a two-piece pink polka dot bikini. You'd be humiliated even though you're seven, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. like, and that was such a strong feeling that I had at such a young age, and like all the guys it, kind of exact, laugh. Exactly that that exact situation. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And you and you could and you and I just was humiliated. I didn't know what it was, right? right? Especially because like feeling. that was early nineties. So like right. that was not. It wasn't even a topic of conversation, but there was this extreme social anxiety is kind of what it, it came mm-hmm. into manifest as because I didn't know what this was. I just knew it was different. I knew it was uncomfortable, and I didn't understand why I was being paired with the wrong group. And mm-hmm. then when I uh, was emotional about it, you know, probably throwing a fit as a kid, then I was punished for it, you know. So mm-hmm. that's something that they're like. Did you ever vocalize oh. it to your parents? Um, not that I remember ever saying, oh, hey, I feel like I'm a boy. But, mm-hmm. there, I mean, I was pretty much Batman. I wanted to be Aladdin. It was cars. It was the red and black mountain bike. It was Hot sure. Wheels. Sure. I mean, I was real PO'd when I got the Easy Bake Oven instead of the Creepy Crawly Machine. Like, I wanted to make gummy worms and gummy roaches, you know. And they yeah. give me this white and pink Easy Bake Oven, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, I don't know if I ever vocalized exactly, hey, I feel like I'm a boy. Mm-hmm. But I know all my actions point in that direction. Sure, you know. Yeah, I'm. Yes, yeah. I can say AJ exactly, can with exactly the, and the same. And the thing is, when you say it's around from five to seven that I really started feeling these feelings, mm-hmm. then they're like, "Oh, so kids do start." I'm like, "Yes," because yeah. that is when the prime age that kids start identifying with their gender. Yeah, I remember as I think I think my earliest memories of struggling with it and tr- actually trying to vocalize it were at age four. Yeah. And I <clears throat> I did, when you're four years old, you have no filter, or mm-hmm. I didn't anyway. You just, it's a scrolling monologue, and you just <laughs> yeah. say whatever is yeah, yeah, coming yeah. across the feed at any given moment, right? So I remember vocalizing it that I wanted to be a boy, or I, I was fairly convinced that I was going to change into one, and I was going to wake up at some point, I do remember and, going to bed being like, how can I become a boy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I remember vocalizing <laughs> things like that. Yeah. yeah. And being and I was told. Like, that was like elementary school. Sure, sure. Yeah, I remember saying <clears throat> things like that out loud and being told, um, you know, you're not going to be a boy. Ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> so let me, look at me now. Let me ask or like, you. We, don't, we don't say things like that in this family or, you know, being, you know, like. Stop acting like that. Exactly. That not not necessarily. Like, as a kid, you're like, yeah, like not what? not necessarily <laughs> punished, but but it, it was definitely shut down. Mm-hmm. Like, don't you don't we don't talk like that in this family. Yeah, and then you're almost like build this big self shame because you're mm-hmm. like, what am I acting like? What am I doing wrong? Right, paranoia. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah, I remember totally. one time a kid in my grade school, he came up to me, and he he pulled me aside. I remember his name was Dennis. Yeah. Dennis pulled me aside and he said, um, how, why do you walk like that? And I, and I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I don't know. You just walk weird. And I never knew what that meant. And then many, many, many years <laughs> went by. And I was, when I was 18, 19 years old, I was actually like a high fashion runway model. 
and um, at my very first audition, they videotaped. Uh, they they really I learned something new about AJ. <laughs> they liked my look, um, but they videotaped me walking down the runway, and they made me watch it, and then they made me watch a video of another professional model mm-hmm. walking and asked me if I saw the difference, and I in that moment heard Dennis's voice asking me oh, why I walked that way yeah, because like, I all was came back. yeah I was walking like like a nomad. <laughs> Like a like yeah. a lumberjack, I was just lumbering down the runway, like like an ape. I remember being. I, I had no finesse. I had no. Yeah. There was no femininity to my walk yep. at all. Yeah. And it all. I was like, oh, that's what Dennis was talking about mm-hmm. in second grade. So, uh, so two two quick questions. One is when were your par- uh, were your parents? I mean, in, in their honest moments, now would they be surprised? I mean, given that you. You both of you guys are talking about stories where you were giving cues, you know, and, mm-hmm. and sharing with your parents. I mean, you know, you got an easy bake oven and, you know, you wanted a creepy crawly yeah. something or another. I mean, there was, there was a lot of resistance from my parents. Um, but in their I, honest moments, would they be like, well, yeah, my mom yeah, has start, kind my of mom, seen yeah, it all along. I, my, I've and, told my mom a lot of things about how I was feeling when I first came out to her as trans. We had a very big conversation and I was sort of bringing those things up from the past, and she kind of was like, huh. Yeah. 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 I guess. It kind of made things very difficult. Like, coming out was very hard for me and uh, put a lot of strain on me and my parents' relationships. But now um, now that I'm older and we've mended things and I, I'll talk to my mom, you know, she's like, well, now she admits that it all makes sense. But sure. I just don't yeah, think that's... that conversation was there in the early 90s. Like, no. it just wasn't. Yeah. It was like, what is wrong with you? And it, why is this my fault? Right. It's mm-hmm. like how the parents, I think, felt. Not that it's an excuse, right? Research was always yeah, at our fingertips. You know, even if it wasn't online, you could at least call a pediatrician yeah, but, or something. But 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 one but... of the reasons why this radio program in this particular hour is so important, and this is why we have multiple trans voices on WHIV, is to avoid you know is to have to have young people know to, because these conversations were happening in the early 1990s or if they were they weren't podcastable yeah right? Right. i mean they were what was a podcast yeah, in the I mean, yeah. Like, <laughs> so the other thing i was going to say too and we don't need to talk about this conversation because i just want to say like hearing you guys talk when you guys were four and seven and eight and ten and how traumatic that was and again we don't need to carry on this conversation but i just want to say that my heart just kind of breaks and i feel i can't imagine what it was like then starting to go through puberty yeah and and again we don't need to talk we don't need to talk about it but i I just never forget that one day i i I just want (laughs) to i just want to say i can't and no no cisgendered person can understand that you can't understand what it's like when you wear a pink tutu in a swimming pool, and you should be wearing Your whole a one piece, up. right? Yeah, but then, <laughs> then, then, if that's the feeling you get like, at, at short, four or short, five, right? <laughs> I can't imagine what it's like when you're twelve or thirteen yeah. and you start puberty. It's got to be a whole, and and that's the sort of stuff people need to understand is that conflict mm-hmm. that happens, especially in trans men. I, I would imagine that that experience is greater in trans men, I think, than it would be in mm. trans in trans women, just because of the issue dealing with menses and that that constant reminder. Sure. Do you know? Uh, and, uh, yeah. and, and maybe you should give me that dirty look. Am I put? Well, I'm I kinda... think 
Am I? Am I? Uh, I think I it's. Think it's more. I just think it's different. Yeah, I think okay. it is dangerous to compare. Sure, and I'm not trying to compare. I'm not. Yeah, trying, but I just imagine the idea because of puberty. Because we don't know. Right. As yeah. trans men, we don't we'll know, know how it felt as right. a young. I totally yeah. understand. And I, it just seems because the period is so dramatic, it right? Is it, it's dramatic. so dramatic yeah. that. And it happens twelve times, you know, a a, a year, and for multiple right. years, right, you know. Right, right. And so, anyway, that's just I, yeah. I just, and you're already as a you're like so as a yes, yes, as a, yes, um, yes. That's the point that yeah. I'm making. That's the yeah, point as that a I'm person making. who you know, as a as a woman in our society or a female identified person who has a menstrual cycle, you're there's already enough shame yes, automatically yes, built yes, into yes, that. Yes, yes, so it, yes. it's traumatizing for everyone. But right. yeah, I think, you know, when you're talking about a reminder, the the period thing is, it's hard, but... It wasn't a major reminder for me because it was like I was reminded daily every single day in the... In yeah. the yes, or every time you use the restroom, there is yes, a reminder. That's, that's, that's I mean, good. yeah, that, yeah. God, that's another one, right? But that's something that uh, doesn't just, ever go learn. away. Yeah. I mean, as now I'm 40 years old now, and that's still a thing for me. Right. I know my wife's like, you're never gonna see what everyone else sees, you know, because like that mirror thing is still day to day. One day I'll be like, man, I'm looking like a real dude today. Like I'm looking <laughs> good. <laughs> And the next you day, do I'm look like, good. oh my god! <laughs> you're and she's like, you just liked your mirror yesterday. <laughs> yeah, but and that's another major thing, and this is another big thing that I say when I go with my LSU people is for our cisgender allies, like you don't have to understand what it's like to be trans to support trans, and I feel like there's a lot of pressure on you um, if you don't know a trans person to feel like you have to totally understand. My wife and me have been together like eight years, and she's known me since high school when I was like 16, being like, oh, the one is a five o'clock shadow. And like, you know, <laughs> we are inseparable. And she will tell you she doesn't understand what being transgender is like. Yeah. But she understands that I feel this way. This is who I am. And she loves me regardless. So I think our cis, um, allies <laughs> just need to realize we don't need you to understand exactly how we feel. We just need to, you to accept us for who we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not you tolerance, know, but acceptance. Accept us. Like you tolerate mosquitoes. And... You tolerate the humidity. Exactly. You don't I want don't to wanna tolerate be tolerated. Yourself. I want to be accepted. Right. Of course. You don't want to tolerate yourself. You don't want other people to tolerate you. You either love me or you out. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a uh, your I, I love all your tattoos. Oh, you. Uh, you have a guitar pick yes. with a musical note. Yes. Uh, what, what is what's the story with that? Uh, I, music was a huge, huge part of my life forever. Um, actually, up until was? my transition. Yeah, because it's very hard. But I used to sing and play guitar and write songs for as long as I can remember. Um, I bought my first guitar when I was in seventh grade. I like babysat all summer. And bought like a beginner's and taught myself, went to lessons for a little while. And then um, singing was huge, very huge for me. And um, with my transition, my vocals completely changed. And I have... But you can still play guitar? I can or? still play guitar, but it's hard because I loved singing. Oh, and then I'd funny. have my guitar to help me write. So it was like the guitar was secondary to me to put together my music. Um so if I hear a song on the radio that I'm like, man, I would have killed that song. Like 
my chest. It's just like I miss that passion coming out, but I just don't have uh, the vocal range that I used to. I don't know if I could sing in a different vocal range, but like I never had training. You know, this was just something I was always able to do. I remember Missy, my wife, used to be like, how do you sing? I'm like, yeah, just open your mouth and you breathe and you sing because it was like just so natural to me. So um, maybe I'm singing from the wrong part, but with the vocal change, it took that. And uh, so it's hard for me to listen to music and just listen because I was so used to being like, I'm going to cover this song or I'm going to I'm going to sing this, you know, like so um, it's hard. Did you know or think or anticipate that? in the process of transitioning you were gonna lose music and Missy did she's like babe I'm happy for you but I'm just so nervous you're not gonna be able to sing anymore I'm like babe I've always been able to sing I'm like I'm not gonna lose this like I'm just gonna keep singing and my voice will just I'm like it might change but I've always been able to sing I'm always gonna be able to sing and I'm I mean it's like I'll get my guitar out for a whole day and be like I'm gonna learn this song I'm gonna figure out what you know know to sing this in and it just doesn't happen and she's like i'm sorry i'm like i mean honestly like i do miss it it's the one thing that i don't have anymore but i'm off antidepressants i'm not on anti-anxieties anymore and that was something that was a constant in my life since i can remember so it was kind of like the one thing that kind of got left behind with all the good stuff so that actually brings up another quick question but before we do let me just do a quick station id you're tuned into 102.3 whiv uh this is nola matters health is a human right radio show my name is mark alderi uh every second monday of the month we have aj strong on what's up hey hey we have dylan king who is the owner and proprietor and founder of flambo crossfit more information about them can be found at flambocrossfit.com yep uh, and uh, we are uh, talking about, I think at this point, I, God bless it, I had a question, and I just, uh, what were we just talking about? We were. I was like, saying how boy, uh, the music. I wasn't able to sing anymore. It was like the one thing that I kind of lost. Yeah. With yeah. All I think you peaked when he said uh, he's off and in a press. That's it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. it. Right, right. So when you guys were, and this is a question for the two of you guys, as you guys were both coming up and like, were were doctors or was the medical system in the 90s trying to talk you out of i i mean what was the it wasn't even a was a, like an option to talk about it I in any of my therapy the sessions so I was like no. out of high school so i mean like when you say you were on antidepressants were doctors trying to be like oh no 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 Tran, you know, like that's just a that's a pathology. Yeah, clearly you're depressed. So that's so yeah. So that's the point. So the, the there was no conversation. There was yeah. no, no yeah. Was like here's your prescription. You're gonna take this one every day. You take this one when you're feeling yeah. anxious. Yeah, you have depression and anxiety. Take this pill, but God not. And that's it. another thing is like, man, I could not imagine my life had even in middle school or early high school. One of the doctors been like. Maybe there's an underlying issue. I'm going to refer you to a, a, you know, a child therapist or something like that to discuss you know, gender identity just to explore this route. Maybe sure. you're not, but I feel like there's something underlying here, not just, all right, well, here, here's your zombie pill and right. take this. You know, it's just adolescence. Yeah, adolescence. And also, I, I don't know, I, w- I knew that I – well, I identified as a lesbian qu- when I was – I mean, I really kind of, quote, I'm using air quotes here, figured it out when I was probably about 10. Um, and But that's because that's the only language I had. Right, I hadn't exactly. heard the word transgender. I did not know any trans people. I did not know it was an option. I don't, no one in my family knew. None of my friends knew. 
it wasn't a thing. Society sees you as female, as a female, and I was attracted to females. You were attracted yeah, to females. so exactly yeah, same. yep. So I identified as as a lesbian, and um, yeah, when when I was older and got into a therapist's office, uh, much of the depression was sort of blamed on that, on me being gay and living in a society that didn't accept me at the time. So it must have been like these big epiphany moments when you either saw your first trans person or heard oh, yeah. the idea of... It was like, that's possible? Right, that's... <laughs> yeah, You're I like, remember... Where yeah. the heck did this come from? I remember when I met my first trans person, a trans man who was my age, maybe a couple years younger, actually. I knew them as one person they went away for a couple years and when they came back they they had transitioned and i was floored when i saw them again it just clicked and it was terrifying yeah that's amazing i was like god no well, I remember no. seeing some of my friends go through a transition and be like, oh, top surgery. They must feel so good with top <laughs> surgery. Be like, oh, my God, he's getting facial hair. Oh, man. I was like, I remember even driving home from being out with, you know, some of my trans friends who were in their transition at this time and driving home being like, could you imagine how good I'd feel if I could get top surgery and, like, have some facial hair? Mm. You know, but it's still, even at that point, even though I knew it was possible, still seemed out of reach. Like, right. for oh, yeah. some reason, I felt like it wasn't possible for me. It All of it no feels out why. of reach, really. Yeah, I've, I've been like, going through, like, since September through dream. this, like, drama of trying to get a hysterectomy, and it's just not happening. And that feels unattainable to me. And I've been transitioning for six years. It, each step of the way, it feels daunting and unattainable. Well, the healthcare system is so makes it so difficult. I mean, it's the healthcare system is such a paternalistic. Mm -hmm. They're like, how old are you? No elective hysterectomy. Oh, I'm old enough, but they're They're like, like, oh, you identify as male denied. Men don't need hysterectomies. Bye. Yeah. It's, it's, that's, that's a whole other unbelievable. It's yeah. It's been a, I have some, I have somebody who works for Crescent care. Who's trying to help, help me and guy but it's it's so many flaming hoops that you're trying to jump through right, and right. It, it really does it feels it just feels unattainable and before you begin your transition i don't know i'm so i'm older than you dylan and the the age gap between us the, a lot happened in that time so when i i started socially transitioning in 2007 i didn't know anybody I didn't know what I had to do, how to make it happen, and I was really fighting against it because I did not want to be this way. Yeah. You know, and um, I was told that I'd have to go to a a year of therapy and get diagnosed with a mental disorder called gender identity disorder, and I had to jump through all those hoops. Now, present day, a lot of places aren't making you do that anymore, which is great. Yeah. Um, But I do feel like that contributes to um, my feelings of uh, impossibility because yeah. I've yes. already had yes. to go through so yes. much to so get where I'm at. So yes. I'm exhausted, process. man. Yeah. I'm yeah. tired. Right. You know, yeah. you have a whole other life to live as well. You know? Yeah, like, totally. It's, this it's, is, it's, yeah. Being trans is one facet right. of my identity. <laughs> yeah. It's not, right. I have many other hats that right. I wear and actually so do you, which I wanted to touch yes, very briefly on perfect. before we go. We yes. only have a few minutes left, but okay. Dylan is, uh, he's a family man. Yeah, he has a wife. Two boys. Yep, children. Two boys. Um, Lennox is turning two at the end of this month. Levi is six months. 
Um, and there is always, thank wow. you. There's always Six something months. to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can yeah. imagine. <laughs> there's, yeah. Uh, we are busy, but um, it's amazing. We used, um, we, we found through a sperm bank online and um, paid shipping and handling and everything. Actually, we were able to do insemination at home, which was really great. And I'm only saying this because never know what listeners might need sure. a little encouragement with that. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, it was it's do you, amazing. Do you feel like being a trans parent, a trans dad, mm-hmm. you feel you face some unique challenges that maybe a, a dad who is a cis male you know, is not I facing? Be- I almost feel like I have an upper hand. How so? Because I, I know the others i know the locker room talk and i know those guys you know and i know how i want to raise them to be better men mm-hmm. you know um because i want to be the best man that i can be but i've also lived the female life on the other side of real a-holes you know sure so i don't feel like i'm going they're going to be missing out on anything i am dad yeah i am totally dad to them i think they'll know trans and transgender as a part of the vocabulary because all the outreach i do sure we have a very diverse group of friends we also have a lot of straight friends and straight family you know they're exposed to everything but i feel like i have an upper hand because i'm so open like i'm sure. gonna love my kids and support my kids through everything because i don't think it's gonna be an obstacle to accept them sure and when when and how do you intend on informing them of your trans identity i feel like um it's just gonna be kind of part of their like our everyday talk. I think they're just going to grow up knowing dad's transgender. And then when they're old enough, they're going to realize like, oh, dad couldn't biologically like have kids when they're that age. You know, I have a friend who's adopted. She's like, my parents never told me I was adopted. I just always grew up knowing that I was adopted because it was part of the conversation. And sure. it was never made to be a big deal. Yeah, I, that's, knew that's I was lucky enough to, to, you know, have them. And they were lucky enough to have me, vice sure, versa. Sure. And I feel like that's how I'm going to be with them. Like, we wanted you so bad. Like, me and mommy were ready for you. Mm. You know? That's great. Yeah, yeah I think that's great. I don't want to make it a big deal. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, I'm just your average person. I just... Yeah, it's like how we started Shooting the conversation over here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I just need a little help. <laughs> I'm glad you found it online. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Paid the price too. Right, yeah. You know what? They're yeah. they're they're everything. Oh, that's amazing! What an amazing story. Uh, thank you. You said six, uh, two year old, and six and, months. And six months. Yeah, they're seventeen months apart. My wife yeah. was like, "I want to get it done. I want to. I want to get my body no back. I want to yeah. get diapers done. You know, we're yeah. Just, they'll just be best went friends." Out there. Yeah, that's amazing. We're entering terrible twos with the first one, and by the time we're out of it, we'll be entering it with the second one. So the next four years, I'm gonna be a little tired, but after that, be I think tough, we'll be huh? a little bit. Better, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> He's looking at me because I have two I, teenagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Teenagers are a whole, it's a whole nother game. They are. It's a whole nother show. Tough, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, well, yeah, I think we're out of time for today. Yeah. Thanks yeah, for having start me. Wrapping up. Yeah, thanks, Dylan. Thanks Absolutely. so much. One more time, uh, you can check out Dylan's website, his business, flambocrossfit.com. I highly, highly recommend it. He's an amazing trainer. Thank you. And yeah, um, on the activism note, is there anything that you 
that y'all need for support? Is there a way people can get involved? Can they donate? What's what's the deal? How can people if help? If anybody wants to see, because organizations have basically like petty cash to spend on continuing education, education. If you work in a company, go to your higher up and just contact me, whether it's on Facebook. Um, my personal email is dking2288 uh, at Hotmail. You can just message me and get that set up. All right. Great. Thank you so much. That's all we have time for today. And uh, I was going to say we're going to leave off on a song that I selected for you. It's Morrissey's song called Sing Your Life. And right. kind of he says exactly the same thing. You just go up to a microphone, you open your mouth, and just let just, the words come out. Yep. So. Yep. All right. We'll see you all next month. I've been so wrong so many times. And you know what I'm talking about. We've all been wrong a time in our life. And we all make mistakes sometimes of leaving what's good for us. I made that mistake. And now I'm trying to get back to my baby. Just running around. Showing up is killing me. Let me
Thank you so much, AJ, for another amazing show. And thank you to Dylan as well. That was an amazing uh, conversation. Whoops. Hang on a second. Kenny's laughing at me already. This is 102.3 WHIV. We're getting ready to start Resistance Radio. Kenny is in the house. That's right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, 102.3 WHIV is New Orleans' only community radio station dedicated to human rights and social justice. All of our hosts and DJs are volunteers, and we're able to provide quality.